Last week, Guy Smith gave us his views on a possible future Prime Minister Gove. So what about Ben Underwood? Elements of me would quite like seeing him at the top so we can hold him to account. Yes, more on the CLA's view about the forthcoming change of Prime Minister later. Plus, it's Open Farm Sunday, a chance to get behind the gates to see what's really happening down on the farm. It's a great way of getting the local community to come and find out what's happening on a local farm and find out how your food is produced. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. Let's start at Newark Sugar Beet Factory, shall we? The uh, weather's kinder for beet growers since we last heard from Simon Leeds at British Sugar. It is, it is. And last time we met, um, if you remember, it just started raining and I don't know, somebody done a rain dance and uh, I think we were all smiling. And since then, uh, we've had welcome but variable amounts of rain across the across the area. Um, and importantly, some decent spells of warm weather because it was also been quite cold at that point. Um, so hopefully summer will, you know, really put an appearance and uh, and warm up. So as a consequence, growth has been rapid in pretty much the whole area. And the most advanced crops now are just meeting across the rows. So that's that's really early and that's, that's a good sign. Uh, and many are at the 10 to 12 uh, leaf stage. Plant population is key to determining yield. Um, so it's a good time now to actually go and undertake those important counts across your fields and you know make sure that you uh, you've got the right number of plants and if not understand why not and so things you can remedy for future years that's important aphid control remains uh, number one priority um, but thresholds must be adhered to so you know go and uh, go and you know make, continue to check all your fields as I'm sure you are remember the thresholds up until the 12 uh, leaf stage is one green wingless aphid per four plants. Once we get to the 12th leaf stage, that threshold increases to one green wingless aphid per plant. But I say, do go and check uh, before you contemplate spraying. Aphid numbers are unprecedented, but the good news is that, um, you know, with the BBRO uh, doing all of this survey work and assessing virus levels, you know, we can report that uh, virus levels are exceptionally low um, from what they're finding. So that's good news. If you want to see more of the information about the aphid survey, um, uh, information on the, the populations, the virus level checks, uh, please go to the BBRO website and the, uh, the interactive mapping that's there, which is on the BBRO website. So if you have been, you know, obviously checking your crops on a regular basis and if the threshold is reached, then we've got two spray options, uh, Biscaya or Topeki. Um, please note that you're only allowed two applications of Biscaya uh, and not successively. If you do intend to use two applications of the one product, the sequence has therefore to be Biscaya to Peaky Biscaya, so that's important to remember. As insecticides will have some impact on beneficial insects, and we're thinking about ladybirds and ladybird larvae, you know, please do only spray when necessary, it's really important. Um, if you haven't sprayed and you are approaching the 12 leaf stage, then if you do find thresholds, then you may get away with a maximum of two sprays, in which case you could go to Peaky and then Biscay. So that's that's uh, another route. Hygiene is critical. You know, as I drive around the area, uh, you know, it's great to see rapid growth in field crops. Um, but I'm also seeing, you know, growth on old clamps uh, from last year and spoil heaps. You know, do please continue to destroy that uh, that growth because that is a source of uh, ongoing source of virus and, and aphids. So that's really important. With crops growing rapidly, also just keep an eye, and it may be necessary to apply uh, manganese uh, to the crops. Uh, we're seeing also a few reports of uh, leaf miner eggs and larvae 
Uh, so just keep an eye out for those as well. So I talked earlier about plant populations um, and it's you know important to to look at the quality of the drilling and understanding issues. So, you know, think about what you can do where you've got issues to increase that all important yield. So, you know, look at establishment counts, look at drill spacing, look at where you've got skips or doubles, look at headland shut off, wheeling effects, all of those sort of things. Um, and if you are seeing, for example, poor spacing or, or skips and doubles, um, it may be that the, the, the drill requires some, uh, some servicing and maintenance before next year, so good time to think about that. Just in terms of the, uh, the factory maintenance, just coming back into the building here, uh, I'm able to report that this, you know, the important maintenance programme is uh, well underway. Uh, key aspects being the replacement of both the diffuser bearings. We had one fail last year, uh, but we're actually replacing both this, this off-season. The lime kiln refractory has been done and there's a lot of work going on on sugar end pipe work uh, to, uh, to, to help the process. So that's all good news. Lastly, but not least, the BBRO summer open days. It's a really important opportunity to get closer to the, to the experts and understand the, the great work that BBRO do on all our behalf. Um, the local event for Newark is at Fotheringay. It's on the 2nd of July. Um, again, go to the BBRO website uh, to, uh, to book your place on that. There is an alternative event over in East Anglia, which is at DIS, and that's on the 4th of July. Uh, and all growers are welcome, obviously, at any of those events. And as ever, if you need help or advice with your crop, then do please contact your local contract manager and keep an eye open for those regular BBRO bulletins. You know, they're packed with up-to-the-minute you know, information on the crop to help you maximise the yields. So I think that about covers it for the month, Sean. Indeed it does. Thank you. Simon Leeds at British Sugar. We started with Simon discussing the weather, uh, something that's also keenly of interest for our agronomist, Sean Sparling, isn't it? Morning, Sean. Well, yeah, good morning, Sean. What a beautiful week of weather we've had. A little drop of rain again, so that keeps things moving. It keeps us clean and green, and everything looks quite pleasant out there in the field. But some of these stonier, lighter, sandier fields, the flag leaves are starting to just roll up a bit, so there is moisture stress. And I've only had 143 mil of rain since the 1st of January, and do bear in mind that is not very much rain when we're pushing in to the middle of the sixth month of the year. But also bear in mind that we have actually had more than 143 mil of rain in June alone, going back 2007, 2012. It has happened. So for those of you wishing for rain, be careful what you wish for. Right, so let's start with winter wheat. Most ears are largely beyond the threat now of orange wheat blossom midge. Remember, once they're clear of the boot, they're clear of that threat. And to be fair, I haven't seen any orange wheat blossom midge adults in my sticky traps or in spider's webs, of which there are many in these wheat fields. So that's good. It's one thing less we have have to do and to be fair there's not an awful lot we can do about orange wheat blossom midge anyway other than spray the cloud of midges if we happen to see them and I haven't seen them the wind's too high it's not still enough for them I think that's where we're going with it so once again another year passes and we don't have to worry too much and once that ear emerges now is the timing for the t3 fungicide the ear disease complex the fusarium ear blight complex on the ear this is when you need to think about protecting that ear because if it is wet at the onset of anther emergence, once the ear is clear and you get the first anthers, if it's wet at that point, that is your key to get the T3 on. Now, whether you use prothioconazole, tebuconazole, metconazole, all pretty similar at how well they control fusarium ear blight, your timing is the key to everything. If it's wet, you need to be on within 12 to 24 hours. And at best, if it's a bad year for fusarium, at best you'll get 50% control, no matter which one you use and no matter which rate you use. So time 
timing is everything when it comes to the ear disease. Um, and you're really only just going to top up on rust control. You're not going to do an awful lot for Septoria. To be fair, the canopies are pretty clean from top to bottom. Disease control has worked very well this year. And for those people who are saying it's a low disease year, look at the bits in fields which have been missed and you see just how bad it could have been had we not got the fungicides we have available to us. So thank goodness for small mercies everything's worked well in our favour again this year and we have managed to time things pretty well. Winter barley largely finished with now. Um, odd wild oats sticking up here and there but get out and pull them. Um, it's not what's there, it's what's not there. So why would you waste 20 quid an acre spraying a whole field when there's only about 40 quid of wild oat pulling to be done? And if you can spend a couple of hours pulling them yourself then we should be doing that rather than spraying them. Spring barley, T2 timing is upon us. The paintbrushes are out. The ears are fully out in many of these fields. Remember, it's the awns and the the top of the crop which are going to do the majority of the photosynthesizing in spring barley so that is what you need to keep clean just be a little bit careful going out in the heat there's a lot of moisture stress out there so the propensity for crop scorch from putting something on in 24 25 degree heat is high so just stay out of those temperatures if it gets up to 23 stay out of the heat of the day and deal with it in a more suitable timing earlier or later so spring wheat the ears are starting to emerge now and there is an opportunity in these spring wheat crops if your t1 has only been on for a fortnight or so and the boots are starting to split and they're clean then there is an opportunity to simply put one more fungicide on prothioconazole based will help against fusarium ear blight of course so if you can get any um so wait until the ears are starting to emerge and then hit them as long as the canopy is clean but you know your fields better than i do you know your market you know what you're doing speak to your agronomist and see if you can time it accordingly peas and beans pushing into flower nicely now spring beans are already setting those bottom pods and i am starting to find brooked beetles stuck on my sticky trap so now is the time to combine a fungicide there's a bit of downy mildew out there there's manganese magnesium deficiency showing up quite widely include your insecticide pick the kindest one for the beneficials but please don't spray these flowering crops in the day wait until late evening early doors really into the crepuscular period when the daylight is fading get into that period because that's when a lot of the beneficials will go to bed and you'll get far less collateral damage from the use of insecticide at that timing there are brooked beetle in the field so really pyrethroid is your only hope pick the one which is kindest to those beneficials um, also out there in the field sugar beet we are now starting to pick up the misers persicae out there remember your threshold we no longer have protection on the seed which was the perfect example of precision farming was that near cotinoid on the seed we didn't have to overspray with foliar insecticides now those geniuses in their infinite wisdom have removed them from us in crops where bees rarely visit let alone forage we now have to apply foliar insecticides to control misers persicae up until monday i'd seen none on monday i really did not struggle to find them so they are about out there remember that Mises persicae, uh, they engage in a thing called parthenogenesis, which means they give birth to live female young, each one of which has two live female young inside them when they're born. These aphids live for between 7 and 40 days, and after 8 days of being born, that little aphid that was born 8 days before will give birth to live young. So it is like grains of rice on a chessboard. They will build very, very quickly. Keep your eyes open, your threshold. One 
wingless aphid, one nymph per four plants up until the 12 leaf stage. Once you get to 12 leaves, it's one nymph per plant. So the threshold drops. Um, just keep your eyes open and choose the right product for the job. Choose the one with the best profile because there are a lot of ladybirds, lacewings, hoverflies and good beasties out there in the field too. Potatoes, it's all black weather at the moment. Keep that interval to seven days at the moment while conditions are like this. We are starting to see a few wild oats sticking up. Get out there and do a bit of roguing. It gives you a nice suntan gives you a warm and happy feeling as well if you go and pull a few wild oats i speak from experience so next week with cereals wednesday and thursday come along to the aicc stand have a chat have a sit down have a cup of tea it will be nice to take the weight off my feet and get a couple of days away from the field and talking to farmers i haven't seen for a long long time i'm saying nothing about wild oats uh, see you at cereals thank you sean sean sparling of sparling agronomy services Last week on the programme, still available as a podcast on our website and app, we heard from Guy Smith at the NFU on who might replace Theresa May as Prime Minister. Well, with Theresa May now having officially stepped down as Conservative Party leader, it means the leadership race is properly underway. So what does Ben Underwood at the CLA think about it all? Actually, now we've got Michael Gove as someone who has produced the architecture of a future agriculture and environment policy Elements of me would quite like seeing him at the top so we can hold him to account to fully fund the thing because he's about the only person, therefore, as Prime Minister that would be able to to lead the Treasury in the right direction. So there are benefits to that, but, you know, the race is open. I mean, I think, unfortunately, all of this is just more uncertainty. Uh, I think we will see further delay in the progress of the Agriculture Bill. And, of course, ultimately, if we did see a new government altogether in the near future, then we may change course of direction completely in some of this future uh, agriculture and Elms-type discussion we're currently having. Do you think no deal is, is more likely now? I think probably on balance it is. And... Uh, whilst we have members that uh, are okay with that, we have many that are very concerned. And I think those that are trading in sort of commodities and certainly obviously trading into Europe are very concerned about that due to the obvious issues in tariff rates and so on. Uh, so real concerns about that. But ultimately, we do need to break the um, deadlock. And I guess whoever's elected, ultimately, as the next leader of the Conservatives, the next Prime Minister the CLA will be there, we'll be knocking on their door, we'll be lobbying the new government, the new DEFRA secretary, whoever that might be. Absolutely, and I think our key message is saying, uh, you know, a well-funded environment, agriculture, food policy going forward uh, benefits government right across uh, different um, departments uh, is 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 good value for money, both from the health agenda, but the health of the environment, health of people, clean water, carbon sequestration, recreation, clean, uh, a good quality, wholesome food. You know, there's there's a lot going for it, and I think we've got to just continue to say we need a fully funded uh, agricultural policy going forward that delivers all of those things. You mentioned the agriculture bill earlier. That, that is now at a standstill, isn't it? I mean, it's been slow yeah, as it has yeah. been because Brexit has consumed everything mm. happening in Parliament. But it, now he's completely at a standstill, and he's going to be until yeah. the autumn now, which is terribly disappointing because I felt we were getting there and we had got some rather good concessions. Um, so yeah, further uncertainty. But do you know what? I've had many conversations this morning with some really positive farmers and landowners out there that you know are getting on with the things they can control, uh, whether that be diversifying into other businesses, but also just in Improving the way they farm and the efficiencies in which they farm and there's a lot of technology coming on board now that are helping people do that so a lot of a lot of exciting things to get stuck into exciting things indeed despite the uncertainty that's uh, ben underwood at the cla we're at uncle henry's in a mo first the open field update from kit dickinson good morning sean 
In the wheat market this week, there has been little news on old crop. There is the opportunity for some late exports, depending on the currency on the day, though. And there is minimal interest on new crop wheat exports at present. Since Wednesday, the new crop wheat market has dropped by £6.80, which has resulted in a 4 to £5 drop on the domestic market, dependent on area. In the main, wheat looks very well for new crop and expected rain over most of the UK this weekend should help the crop in its finishing stages. There is a steady flow of trade on old crop milling wheat and we are still seeing very good prices. New crop trade is trading, although in very small volumes, and there is an expectation for some old crop milling wheat to be carried over. Feed barley has seen interest for export to Spain. The Spanish have less barley in the ground this year and as a result, vessels have been booked as available out of the east coast for September, October and November. On the domestic side, there is interest from the consumer in the UK, but this is at a big discount to wheat. With an expected smaller corn area this year in the US due to weather problems, barley will come in as a useful replacement. Feed barley is currently trading at a 17 to £18 discount to feed wheat for new crop. Old crop barley has seen a thin trade this week. Small parcels have been traded ex store or farm to farm, but this has been very erratic. Old crop values are 123 to 130, a very wide spread, but this is completely dependent on the new crop value on the day. Oilseed rape. Old crop oilseed rape has seen little movement this week, with trades mainly being ex-store pre-harvest. New crop values have remained positive on the back of futures trading down this week. 320x the farm is still achievable for May 20. The question is now, when will harvest come and how much stock will we have left? Beans. Limited news on beans this week. Most of the crops are looking well, with winter beans coming into flower and podding up nicely. There are some short stalks around, mainly on the winter beans, but rain this week may help this. Breaker pressure is now high and it is vital to keep your eye on crops going forward. Prices. Wheat, July 148 to 150. Moving forward to harvest at 142 to 144. November 146 to 148. February 19, 148 to 150. May 20, 151 to 154. Milling premiums on old crop are currently 28 to 30 pounds and on new crop 16 to 18 pounds. Barley for July is 122 to 124. Moving forward for harvest to increase to 124 to 126. November 126 to 128. Going forward after November, barley is currently trading at a 17 to 18 pound discount to feed wheat and malting premiums are circa £25 at present. Oilseed rape, July 303 to 305. Harvest, 308 to 310. November, 315 to 317. February, 319 to 320. There is limited carry going forward to May at 320 to possibly 322. Beans, July old crop, 240 to 245 for the very best samples. And November new crop, 195 to 200 x the farm. Thanks, Kit. That's Kit Dickinson at Open Field. Now, it's Open Farm Sunday today. Farms across the country are opening for you to take a look around. If you're uh, in the industry, it's a chance to spy on a neighbour. If you're not, then it's a chance to find out more about what's happening in the fields we all drive past for the rest of the year and also where our food comes from. It's the 12th year that Uncle Henry's at Curtin Lindsay has taken part. Emma Jones has organised what they've got planned today. Yes, it's a really great day out. We've been hosting this event now for sort of 12 years running um, and it's a great way of getting the local community to come and find out what's happening on a local farm and find out how your food is produced. 
the impression is that you're just opening the farm gates and just wander around the farm, but there's so much actually happening. Organising, um, it's taken weeks to organise, hasn't it? Yes, definitely. Um, when we first started this event, I think we started with about 500 people who just came along, and I think we had a few pigs in the field. Um, but we've been supported by a lot of local great businesses and other farmers. So, yeah, the event planning does take a bit longer, but it's worth it uh, just for everybody to come and have a great day out. And, and it's about showing what you do here at Uncle Henry's, but also connecting about what happens on our farms across the country, isn't it? Yeah, so we try and link uh, three different zones on the day. So we have a farm zone, an animal zone, a market zone, so people can see the process of how their food's grown, how it can be used, for, like, with example, with a Lincoln Longwall sheep. And then, obviously, we have a process in the market zone with the barbecue and, obviously, our sausages, which comes from our pigs. And we run tractor and trailer rides with the farmer on there, so you can actually go and learn about how the crops are grown in the field and go see our pigs. And you've got, I mean, some uh, magnificent machinery here. What, what, what a million pound um, pea viner and yeah. So this year we're really lucky to have been supported by the Green Pea Company, who supply bird's eye uh, with peas, and we are very lucky that we've got a brand new pea viner on site, uh, which is going to be really exciting this year for kids to come and learn about how their peas are sort of grown and harvested. And it's straight from the factory; it hasn't actually been used in the field yet. No, uh, straight onto the lorry, straight into our field, and then it's going to be leaving here and going to its final home for the summer ready for harvesting and I say it's a great opportunity just to get up close to some of these you know we, we drive past them we see them in the fields that we will be over the next few weeks certainly with the pea viner uh, this is an opportunity to get up close I know you can actually sit inside one of the combines and things like that yeah, so yeah, we, we try and encourage people to be sort of interactive uh, with what we've got here and not just basically show machines. Uh, we want people to be able to ask questions and learn about what the machines do. And I think seeing them up close and um, personal is quite you know new for most people. You only get stuck behind them normally when you're driving on the road. Um, so it's great to be able to experience that. And the kids love sitting inside the combine harvester. And it's become a real community event. I'm sure far more than people would have thought 12 years ago that it, you know it's a chance to see behind the far behind the scenes of what happens on the farm but actually the whole of this local community is is coming along with stands with stores and and really getting involved it's, it's opening up the entire community really isn't it yes definitely and we try and support as many local causes as possible uh, so Graham church are very involved they come and raise money for their local church but they have their church service here in the morning and then we also have local charities that come so lindsay lodge hospice for example but then um sort of local businesses will come and try and fundraise for their bits as well and i think we raised about seven and a half thousand pounds last year um and brig rotary club take the majority and they distribute it back out to local fundraisers efforts. And you had, what, 5,000 last year? Uh, yeah, so I think um, when we did the final count, we are about up to about 5,500, um, which is absolutely huge for this site. Um, but it's not all about the numbers, it's about people coming having a great day out. But also, remarkably, you can see people are coming from quite a distance, actually, to come here to Uncle Henry's for the event. Yes, yeah, so we're very fortunate that last year Leaf introduced tri-booking as a ticket system and from that we've been able to see that people have been coming from, you know, from the other side of Yorkshire and even from, you know, Oxford and things like that, which we think is maybe people coming back to visit families um, and coming here. But it's, it's great to see that we're supported by so many people from, you know, such a far, far reach, really. As we can hear behind us, we've got uh, some children here as well. This is on a, on a weekday. Um, Uncle Henry's always accessible, really, and wanting to... to 
uh, highlight what's happening in agriculture, not only just showing off what happens here at Uncle Henry's, but in farming in general. And so we've got the children's party here today as well. Yeah, so we host about 33 uh, school visits each year. Um, and the purpose of this is to just try and educate children. You know, they are the next generation and they find it really interesting. Um, but despite all our best efforts um, of showing them what we do here on the farm, they always love the horses. Uh, the shy horses do it for them every time. That's Emma Jones at Uncle Henry's, a fun day ahead. And uh, you can find a full list of farms taking part in Open Farm Sunday at the LEAF website. It's farmsunday.org. That's farmsunday.org. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, it looks like we should have the right weather for Open Farm Sunday. After that, though, things do get uh, rather uncertain because of the positioning of the jet stream this week. Today, possibility of a shower if you're really unlucky. Hopefully it will be mostly dry for Open Farm Sunday events. We're looking at highs of 16. That wind from the southwest at about 15 miles an hour. There will be some evening sunshine, then uh, clear skies overnight. Temperatures down to around 6 Celsius to start Monday. The wind uh, dropping right the way down from the north-northwest to about 2 miles an hour. And then it's a sunny start to Monday, maybe a shower in the middle of the day again. Highs of 16 and the wind more from the east-northeast at about 5 miles an hour. Cloudy at first Monday, but clear skies come Tuesday morning. Uh, six, uh, the low. Uh, the wind from the north at five miles an hour. And then after that uh, sunny start on Tuesday, there is the possibility of some rain. Might be heavy in places. 16 once again, the high. And the wind, more from the north again, at about 10 to 15 miles an hour. Now, it looks like that wet weather could well continue through Wednesday and Thursday. We'll see. Uh, it is, as I say, a little bit uncertain because of the changing jet stream. Uh, it could be a bit cooler towards the end of the week um, as well. Temperatures uh, nearer 10 or 11 as uh, your daytime highs. That can change as ever and that's where our hourly forecasts come into play. For now though, that is the forecast for the next few days. As Sean Sparling mentioned, it is cereals this week. Fingers crossed we get the right weather for that as well. We might see you there. If you are there, look out for us. We'll be wearing our special farming programme jacket, so tap me on the shoulder, say hello. And again, as mentioned earlier, don't miss the chance to visit an open farm today. It really is a good chance to see behind the scenes what's happening behind those farm gates. Do take that opportunity. Until next week's farming programme, whatever it is you've got planned, take care.